0: That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot
1: <clears throat> at and connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. ATT. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
0: Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are ya? It is the 4th of July all over the world. But in the United States, we celebrate the 4th of July. Uh, We associate that with the signing of the Declaration of Independence, although that That in itself is not entirely historically accurate, but that's par for the course with (laughs) the way we observe stuff here in America. But yes, we are off today because of the 4th of July holiday. And so we are bringing you a classic episode. We ran part one of this episode yesterday. So if you missed that, you may want to listen to that first. This is called Fireworks Part 2. Because the previous one was called Tech Stuff Lights Some Fireworks. Originally, this episode published July twenty eighth, two thousand fourteen, and at that time, Lauren Vogelbaum was my co host. She now is host of Brain Stuff and other things of that nature. So she's been doing lots of of podcast production uh, and is killing it. But back in these days, she was a, a fresh face podcaster joining me to talk about fireworks. I hope. You enjoy this classic episode, and uh, let's listen in
2: as of about the Italian Renaissance, yeah, people started adding different metals into the the gunpowder to make it burn in different colors right so... and I suspect that this was tied into the fact that also around the Italian Renaissance, people were starting to make brilliantly colored paints of many yes. different kinds, and the same uh, the same metal compounds that were being used for those paints I'm guessing is what got parted over into fireworks.
0: Absolutely, yeah. They also found, you know, if you were able to get a metallic salt and, say, burn it, it would burn with a particular color of flame. So you would get a flame that would be green or blue or whatever based upon the metallic salts that were in that mixture. And that's when they said, hey, this this firecracker stuff, if we were to put this in combination with the firecracker stuff, we'd get these different colors of light that would go off uh, because the the explosion could ignite a secondary charge that would have a mixture of these metallic salts in them. So we just mix it together the right way, we get the right color. Now, the important thing to remember is that these ingredients, they don't change the chemical reaction of the explosion itself. It's more like adding a little flavor. So your basic ingredient is still the same. It's that black powder, but it's what you mix with it that gives you the bright, pretty colors.
2: Uh Right, and to explain what, creates those bright pretty colors uh we need to get down to an atomic level of how photons are created yeah or not well yeah given off
0: given off yeah yeah so if you have an atom one of the things that one of the the, the subatomic particles that make up that atom is the electron right mm-hmm. you have electrons that surround the neutro- the nucleus with neutrons and protons or in the case of you know hydrogen just a proton and if you were to add energy to that atom, you would excite the Electron. And I don't mean it'd be like, "Ooh, I cannot wait until Avengers 2 Age of Ultron comes out.
2: Actually, that's kind of I, I imagine that the dance that the Electron does is very much like that dance that I, that yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, the
0: little, the little, uh-huh. little arms are, are at shoulder height and, and clenched in fists if you want to envision it. And then you just kind of wiggle <laughs> a little bit. So uh these electrons, yeah, they get excited from their normal energy state, which is called the ground state. That's the one that they mm-hmm. naturally inhabit.
2: When uh, they're just hanging out.
0: Exactly. Uh, so, so,
2: so that excited state will uh, kind of push the electron
0: further out further from the out. nucleus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, this is not sustainable forever. If you take the energy source away, then the electron will gradually come back down to its ground state. But it has to give off all that energy it accepted. In the process.
2: All right. So when it snaps back, it gives off energy in the form of a photon.
0: Right. And depending upon the element, you will get a different color of light. Uh, Because a
2: different wavelength of photons.
0: Exactly. Yeah. The photons' light is dependent upon its wavelength.
2: And the amount of energy that it has uh, equals the color that you see.
0: Yeah. So and and the thing is, once you know which elements are generating a certain color, it's going to be that way. All the time. It's
2: pretty dependable, yeah. Yeah.
0: So we have a list of colors and a list of the elements, the metallic salts that are commonly used to create said colors in your typical fireworks display. So we're going to alternate describing these. Uh Do you want me to go first?
2: <laughs> uh, it's the longest list,
0: so oh, all three. right. Here we go. <laughs> all right. So for the color, we're going by the way, in the order of Roy G. Biv. Technically, we're doing Roy G. Because <laughs> because indigo actually gets turned into uh, indigo and violet get turned into purple. Also, I guess it's technically roigy bips because we have an s at the end. All right, fair enough. Here we go. Starting off, red to create the color red, you would typically add uh, metallic salts such as strontium salts, lithium salts, lithium carbonate, or strontium carbonate, which creates a very bright red. So, the uh, again, depending upon which ones you use, you get different hues of whatever color you're looking at.
2: Sure. Uh, orange, you've got calcium salts or calcium chloride.
0: Yellow, you have sodium salts or sodium chloride.
2: Uh, green can be barium compounds plus a chlorine producer. Yep. Uh, or barium chloride.
0: Yep. Blue would be copper compounds plus a chlorine producer. You're probably noticing some trends here. Uh, or copper chloride.
2: Purple, uh, can be a mixture of blue and red compounds. So, uh, so like
0: strontium and copper. Yep. And then you have silver, which is essentially something like aluminum, titanium, or magnesium that's just burning, and those things burn really super bright. That's what gives uh, fireworks their their silvery, sparkly that look.
2: Cute, that that right, the sheen.
0: Yeah. So those are your basic ingredients. So how do we end up with the starburst patterns? I mean, obviously, if you just had an explosive with just these metallic salts mixed willy nilly in there, and it exploded, it would just be a a big mass of light in different colors, but we see these beautiful starburst patterns that come out. So what is it that causes that? Well it's all in the actual manufacture and design, the layout. The, the of physical a firework.
2: design of right.
0: Yeah. It's it's how you have uh situated the various metallic salts and you put them
2: well well okay so so we mentioned we mentioned uh at the end of the last episode that the yeah. basic uh, let's run down again the basic uh way that a firework is composed
0: sure okay so if you were looking at a, a, a firework from top to bottom
2: if you cut one right in half
0: yeah so uh the yeah if you cut it right in half you would see that in the center is a burst charge that's that's your your black powder mm-hmm. that's designed to push everything outward mm-hmm. in uh in whatever formation you happen to have
2: and then surrounding that you're going to have some kind of a, a clay or or other material that's holding what's called in the industry
0: stars yeah this is the metallic Salts that are placed in. And these, these stars are small. They're like three or four centimeters across. So they look like pellets. Mm -hmm. And the pellets can be put around. There's also black powder around those so it can really project them out and also ignite them so that they, they burn properly. Now you've got, uh, these layouts that will determine exactly what kind of effect you'll have. It's also the shape of the, the projectile shell itself. But really it's the layout of those, those stars. If you put the stars in a really tight circle, Around this this uh this burst charge, then when the firework goes off, you're going to get a perfect circle that expands outward as these uh, metallic salts ignite and fly outward. And the cool thing is that a lot of these stars, they have it where uh they're it's a 360 degree thing. But because of the way we perceive fireworks, it looks to us more like a two dimensional circle that expands out. But it's actually going out in all directions. Right. It's a true explosion. Uh. If you were somehow able to be in the middle of one, for example, if you were, I don't know, to fly a drone with a video camera on it into a fireworks display, which happened this year, then you would be able to see that it explodes outward in all directions, not just in a, in a two-dimensional circle, which is pretty cool. Uh At any rate, you end up mixing those metallic salts with an oxidizer or reducing agent, which is also a fuel. Uh, oxidizers and reducers work together to create the Bernie Bernie, and then also a binder, which holds the, all the stuff together. Now, uh, the oxidizers in the stars aren't usually potassium nitrate like you would find in black powder, because those oxidizers don't allow for high temperatures that are needed to produce the chemical reactions necessary for the different colors. In other words, potassium nitrate doesn't burn hot enough to ignite those metallic salts. Right. So we usually end up going with something like potassium chlorate, which we mentioned in the previous episode creates these more even more spectacular explosions or combustions. Uh, Just it burns even faster than regular black powder does, making it much more dangerous. But that's what you need in order to generate these colors. Although, again, also that we mentioned in the last episode, people are looking at alternatives because potassium chlorate is not the best thing in the world to get in the environment. Once it has combusted, you get chloride for one thing. Yeah, not a good stuff. But uh, you do get those more intense reactions, which allows the the starburst to ignite and fly outward. We're going to take a quick break talking about fireworks and listen to some messages from sponsors that might spark your interest. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. So you would typically have lots and lots of these stars packed into a single firework and you place them meticulously inside the rocket. And by meticulously, I mean this is done by hand. People hand make these fireworks so that the patterns are exact. They will place the stars strategically. Uh, this is how you are able to get something like a smiley face effect because it's 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 all based on physics. Mm -hmm. You know that you know exactly how far something's going to fly based upon the amount of black powder in there and its orientation within the firework itself. So there's nothing special in the sense of there's no special tech that makes this heart shape or this smiley face. It's all in how those stars are put in there.
2: It's very careful chemistry and mixing. and
0: And physics. physics. Yeah. Physics does the rest for you as if you've done your job correctly in the design of the physical firework. Physics takes care of the rest. Mm-hmm. It'll just make stuff go boom and it'll fly the way it's supposed to fly based upon where you put it.
2: And I'm sure machines could could even more precisely than humans uh, create these mixtures yeah. and put them down in. But uh, the thing is that machines tend to get a little bit warm and sparky while they're doing their thing. Yeah, so overall, not good. it's a lot. I mean, my hand is way less sparky than most machines that I know.
0: Yeah. So. Uh- also, get rid of that static electricity before you go in there. Uh, uh Yes. But see, one thing you could do is you could use computer programs to help you figure out what's the ideal layout oh, for and your am Oh, sure, right? I'm sure
2: that those algorithms exist.
0: Yes. Yeah, they do. Where you can actually, you, you have all, because the laws of physics are pretty consistent. You know, we don't generally have our laws turn upside down from one day to the next.
2: Uh, as we'll talk about in the next section, uh, there are some factors that can uh, cause a little bit of havoc, weather, humidity. Yep all that kind of stuff. Yep. It, pressure, I'm sure.
0: So looking at a rocket completely in cross-section, let's say you're cutting it in half uh, long ways, not not horizontally, so okay. vertically, uh, and you're looking at it from top to bottom, here's what you would have. You would have a uh, uh, one main fuse that would lead down from the top of the projectile into the firework. That would ignite two separate other fuses. All right? So you've got... One fuse that's a time delay fuse and it burns more slowly. Then you have a quick burning fuse, which obviously burns faster. The quick burning fuse goes along the outside of the firework down into its base. That's where you have the lift charge. That's the black powder that's going to provide the force to project the, the firework into the sky. Right. Uh, the second, the time delay fuse will continue to burn. And if you've designed the firework correctly, again, based upon the laws of physics, You will have it ignite at just the right, uh, arc, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Usually when the firework has reached its peak. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so that would light the burst charge. That's the one that has all the stars centered around it. So you've got two charges, the lift charge and the burst charge, and the two have to be separated or else you just get a mortar that explodes in a bright color of light, which we've had happen before that Uh, accidents have happened.
2: Yes. Um, and, and then right. And then each of those little, uh, stars inside the package have their own Oxidizers that are going to set off yeah, each of the stars. Yeah,
0: exactly. And you may even have a multi-brake firework, which would have multiple chambers that have burst charges and stars in them so that you get multiple explosions from one projectile. Uh, those would have even separation charges. You can think of it kind of like a rocket that goes into outer space. You know, when the engines <laughs> are done, you have the little separator charges that explode, separating the engines away so that the rest of the vehicle can continue going off into space. Yeah. Same sort of thing with your basic firework, except of course you're not shooting it nearly as high. But you have little, no. little, yeah, you have little separation charges that'll allow the multi breaks to happen. Meanwhile, that fuse just continues to slowly go through the entire uh, firework, lighting each section uh, in the right order. Yeah. So it's pretty cool.
2: Uh, so let's talk about some of these different kinds of shells and what exactly they do.
0: Sure. Yeah. So these are these are terms in the fireworks industry. So the kind of shell you have. The design of it, the the physical shape of the shell, as well as the layout of the stars, are what determine the uh, how it behaves. So, for example, I guess we can alternate with these two. You have a palm shell, which contains large comets or charges in the shape of a solid cylinder. These travel outward, they explode, and then curve downward like the limbs of a palm tree. So, ah. those are you know now you'll be able to impress your friends when you watch a fireworks display. That's a palm charge. That's a classic palm clip. Really well done.
2: Uh, you've also got the round shells. Uh, those perhaps expectedly explode in a spherical shape, um, usually of colored stars. Yeah, this is
0: what I always think of. When I think fireworks, this is the particular style I think of. Just the, the big round globe of glowing stars, like red or green uh-huh. flying outward.
2: I actually think of the palm first. Yeah,
0: I can I can see. It all depends on, I guess, your own personal experience. I've seen a lot of Disney fireworks, and and these round shells oh, are they're really are they're, they're
2: very fond of them. There. Yeah, because
0: yeah. if you do three of them in the right orientation.
2: They look like a Mickey head.
0: Yes, exactly. So then you have the ring shell. This explodes to produce a symmetrical ring of stars. The way this works is that, again, if you were to cut a, a ring shell in half, you would see just a perfect ring of the the pellets, the star pellets, around the burst charge. And it would just shoot them all out uh, in a circle, you know, in, in equal directions. So that's how that one works.
2: Uh, then you've got a willow. Th- these contain... Stars uh, with a high charcoal composition to make them really long burning mm-hmm. um, so that they'll fall out in the shape of willow branches and and stay lit, stay visible, sometimes even until they hit the ground.
0: Yeah, these are the ones that, you know, you see those sparkles and they just the long trail of sparkles uh-huh. as they slowly descend. They're very, very uh impressive.
2: Oh, we're making so many gestures over here, folks. Yeah. I yeah. It's really. There's
0: a lot of like. uh spirit fingers going on inside the studio right now. Uh-huh. Then you have the roundel, which bursts into a circle of maroon shells that then explode in sequence. Uh, maroon
2: shells? Is that the color?
0: Actually, no. In in fireworks language, maroon shells are shells that uh, make a, a boom noise. These are the ones that I really didn't like as a kid. <laughs> the very loud bangs. So, by, by the way, again, the way you create that loud bang is you really compress that black powder Ah. Uh, in in uh uh, fireworks factories the way i've seen this is that you create the parchment shell the black powders in it you then uh, have that shell wrapped in string that is very tightly wound so it compresses it then you put wet parchment paper on the outside of it tightly wrapped so that when it dries it compresses it even more oh wow yeah pretty Hmm. impressive
2: our next type is the chrysanthemum shell, which uh, which bursts into like a spherical pattern of stars that, that leave a visible trail. So the effect is something like a chrysanthemum blossom.
0: Yep. Then you have the pistol, the P-I-S-T-I-L, which is like the chrysanthemum shell. But this one has a core that is a different color than the stars that fly out from the middle. So the middle has one color. The stars a second color.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have just a maroon shell. So just, if you just, just, just a bang.
0: Yeah. Oh, I hated those. <laughs> and then you had the serpentine, which is my strategy in Halo, which never works. But no, a serpentine fireworks shell bursts to send small tubes of incendiaries skittering outward at random paths which may culminate in exploding stars. So if you ever see the ones that have like the, the crazy spinnies uh-huh. that fly off... Oh,
2: those are serpentines. Yeah,
0: those are okay. serpentines. So those are your basic types of fireworks shells. Of course, there are other variations on these, or there's some that use this as a basis, and then they create a different effect. But if you were in the fireworks trade, those are the kind of uh terms you would be hearing, and, and people would just call them out as they would see them launch. Like, oh, that's a roundel, that's a serpentine. You wouldn't have to say that's a maroon, because everyone would be going, what?! But anyway,
2: so we've talked a little bit about this, but actually launching fireworks, uh, especially right. in terms of displays.
0: So yeah, the 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 basic one we covered the idea that you know you have the slow burning fuse and the quick burning fuse. The quick burning one lights the the black powder. One thing we didn't mention is that you do have to have a mortar, which is essentially a pipe that has a closed off end on one side. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the old days, you would essentially light the the one main fuse, drop the 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 package into the mortar and then run the heck away before everything started going bonky. So once that lift charge uh, ignites, it creates a lot of gas and that gas expands and that's what provides the thrust to push the package out of the mortar and into the air. So if this sounds a lot like our discussions about things like cannon and, and flintlock pistols and things of that nature, it's because it is. We're talking about expanding gases. It's the same thing that creates the, the propulsion for your basic firearm.
2: It's creating a push.
0: Yep. So you've got your mortar and your, your lift charge, and that's all you need to be able to launch it properly. These days, we don't necessarily need to have someone physically light a fuse and then dump it into a mortar. Thank uh, goodness.
2: Right. There's, um, there, there are computerized fuses that will, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, not self-light,
0: but... No, no. Why essentially you've got is you, you set up your, your mortar system that already has the various packages in each mortar as it's supposed to be. Uh, and then you have an electrical charge that can create the spark to light the fuse. Uh, so that way everything can be done from a distance. You can either have it where it's uh, manually done, where you push a button and that button is what creates the spark. Or you can have it fully automated, where you've got a full program and you say... At this timestamp, when this program runs, this particular spark needs to happen, and in that case, you can launch a firework. So, this is where you get those big choreographed displays, right? Right. right. You've got a essentially a program that has a beginning to the end, and think of it like a video on YouTube. You would uh, you look at the video and you'd see, oh, it's uh, seven minutes twelve minutes twelve seconds long. I want to see what happens at minute three and and twelve seconds, and you go straight to that point and you look at that frame. Well, in this computer program, you would be able to see which switches were essentially being thrown electronically, not mechanically necessarily these days. And you could say, oh, well, all right, at that point, mortars 17, 3, and 49 all fire. There's a roundel in the center. There's a chrysanthemum. And there's a pistol and all three go up simultaneously to create the effect you're going for. And you know exactly what's in which mortar, you know, you program that in. You so. put them there. Yeah, you put them there and you say to the computer program, this is the thing that's in this other thing.
2: Mm-hmm. And you uh you. Cut and create your fuses. Uh, fuse technology also has a lot to do with how all of this is going to go off. Sure. Uh, and fuses are just really basic things. If you've never created one yourself, that are made of some kind of fuel. Yep. Um. That's coated or or possibly soaked or infused with some kind of oxidizer. Yep. And the exact materials and ratios of materials that you use are going to give you these these different time effects.
0: Right. Whether or not it'll burn at say you could have the same length of fuse and one of them might take. 15 seconds to burn all the way through. And the other one might burn all the way through in three seconds. Uh, again, it all depends upon the, the stuff you've put into that fuse, the oxidizers and any other kind of fuel you've imbued the fuse with. So uh, once you know the physics and assuming your chemistry is good, you can have very consistent results from one firework to the next. Mm-hmm. So, it, that assumes a lot. It means that you have to be very consistent in all the ingredients you use. You have to be consistent in the mixtures, the the proportions you're using, as well as consistent in the placement of stars and the fuses that you use. But if you are, if you're really good about that, then you know how far the thing is going to fly based upon the amount of lift charge in it and its weight, because that's the two things that are going to determine how far a projectile flies is how heavy is it and how much thrust are you giving it? Then you would also be able to determine uh, when it's going to explode based upon the type of fuse that leads to that burst charge. So once you know these things, you can start to work backward, right? Uh uh-huh. So let's say that you have a, a piece of music that you that you particularly want to set your fireworks display to. And since I'm a huge Disney fan and Disney is famous for this, let's say it's when you wish upon a star. OK. And when you hear the word star. Clearly, you want to have a starburst effect, right? Mm-hmm. You want to have the gorgeous starburst effect so the crowd is ooing and aahing right at the right moment. So what you would do is you would take that song and you would look at the timestamp for when the, the, the word star is mentioned. From that timestamp, you start to work backward and you say, all right, based upon when this happens in the song, when does that burst charge need to ignite? And then working backwards from that point, you know, you know when the, the the burst charge needs to ignite so that you get the effect you want. You then say, all right, well, I want it to be at this particular height, and I'm firing it from this particular location. So based on that, you know the distance that the projectile has to go, so that it can be at the right height mm-hmm. and and explode at the right time that tells you how large a lift charge you need Mm -hmm. to get the projectile there and how quickly that quick burning fuse needs to burn in order for it to ignite and what time you need to push or push the button or have it automatically execute the firework. Exactly. So again, you just work backwards, you know, you know when you want the effect to happen. So then you work backwards to find out when it has to initiate that uh, that fuse burning for the first time. So it actually is, is pretty easy in that respect but it does require that you have a, a very good knowledge of how the physics works so that and, and it also requires that those fireworks are consistently made. Yes. So you've that,
2: worked out the chemistry correctly. Right.
0: So that way, when you use all right, we're going to use firework number uh, seven, this this particular type of firework every single time, because I mean, I, like Walt Disney. The, the Disney parks, they do these, these fireworks displays nearly every night, particularly in the summer. Right. So then that means it has to be exactly right each time. So the fireworks have to be consistent and they have to be ignited at the, the same time, the consistent time throughout each of these displays. But it's really pretty cool. Um, also, uh, you might wonder what exactly is making that boom noise.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, we've been talking a little bit about expanding gases.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
2: that's, that's basically it. The, yep. the, the expansion of, uh, this stuff in the firework displaces a pretty large quantity of air. Yeah, actually. that air
0: has to go somewhere, so it ripples outward really fast, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah. It's and, essentially
0: a shockwave. Yep. So that's what makes boom. the boom. Yeah, so of course the, the more black powder you can pack into a small space, the bigger the boom. Again, it has to be compact, because if it's just loose, then it just it just burns. It just
2: burns. It's it burns really pretty. fast. Yeah. In fact,
0: there are a lot of people who get really picky about the terms uh, igniting versus exploding because they say, well, technically, gunpowder just burns really, really, really fast. It's not, it's not truly exploding. explosive. Yeah. But if you were to put it in a very compact area, then you get that explosion because of the rapid combustion. We got some more to say about fireworks. Before we get to that, let's take another quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. So uh, we really kind of covered all the basics um, about, you know, how these things work, uh, the way that you would coordinate stuff. But we still got some fun, little, goofy, trivial facts that I wanted to cover. So back in 1958, I mentioned this a little bit. Disneyland introduced its first fireworks show. Uh, it was called Fantasy in the Sky. And Walt Disney came up with this idea or actually he asked the Imagineers to come up with an idea of how do you keep people in the park after it gets dark
2: (laughs) and i guess this is why to this day disney uses fireworks displays almost nightly
0: yeah well it turned out to be one of those things that really really worked well people would stay in the park longer which ultimately means they'd be willing to spend more money i mean you you, the longer you keep someone there the more likely they're going to walk out with one of those mickey dolls
2: mickey lemonades and mickey dolls yeah the more
0: uh, the more churros they'll eat (laughs) disney churros are the best
2: It's really their ice cream that gets
0: me. You know their ice cream is pretty awesome, too. (laughs) Okay, I I love Disney. Uh, But the anyway, the launch site for the fireworks was backstage, and each firework at that time had to be lit manually. There's actually some video that you can watch of the various people who had to run back and forth and light the fireworks in the right sequence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now These early fireworks weren't choreographed the way the modern ones were. It wasn't like you had... Park wide music and the fireworks went off, of the right, but they were like really impressive displays Uh the displays, by the way, in Disney parks all depend upon where you which park you're in, because some of the places like uh, Disneyland Paris and uh, and Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea have specific uh, limitations on how high fireworks uh-huh. can go. Uh huh so the ones that you'll see in say Florida and California are different than the ones you would see in these other parks because of those local of laws, national laws. Yeah. sure and since the days of fantasy in the sky they've um they've kind of upgraded like I said they've got the fully <laughs> choreographed ones
2: yeah yeah uh, uh, with, with quite a few shells
0: yeah the the Disney World's wishes display has 557 firing cues they have more shells than that but just 557. Separate cues in that one display. So 557 different times there are multiple shells going up into the sky. That's incredibly complex. I think it's like 17 minutes long, something like that. So it's a really long display. So, really impressive. I mean, obviously, if it were like three minutes long and there's 557 firing cues, you would just be blind and deaf by the end of it.
2: Yeah, that sounds a little bit, uh, whelming right yeah. there. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they've also engineered their, their system to use compressed air for launches rather than that initial blast. Yeah. Uh, we, we've been talking about a, an initial blast forcing something out, out of the firing tube, but yeah, but they're using compressed air, so it, probably reduces their cost a lot. You only need that that single explosion, and it reduces the amount of smoke that's created. Yeah, so they don't this.
0: have to... Because obviously those early displays, it meant that once the display was over, you had this kind of cloud of smoke hanging over the Your Magic guests. Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. So this way, they are able to avoid that. Also, I mean, you're just using giant air cannons. How cool is that? Uh, in the United States, at least, fireworks are technically classified as two different types of explosives at the same time. Because of the different effects. So the fact that they have the one blast for propulsion and the other blast that's truly the explosion, you have a low level and like an intermediate level of explosive uh, classification just for fireworks. So it gets two in one.
2: As of the recording of this podcast, the largest fireworks display on record happened on December thirty first, twenty thirteen, in Dubai. Yep. Uh, during which they exploded four hundred and seventy nine thousand six hundred and fifty one fireworks. That's a lot. Uh, it stretched across about sixty miles of seafront.
0: That is an enormous fireworks display. Yeah the the air would look as if it were on fire. Leave I would it imagine. to Dubai. Yeah, yeah, uh, we, well, we kind of have to, because I don't think anyone else can afford to do that.
2: <laughs> uh, no, no. And, um, and, and again, we do, we do want to impress upon you that, that these are, I mean, beautiful and miraculous. Well, not miraculous. They're technological. These are yeah. beautiful technological feats of engineering and physics and chemistry all at the same time.
0: That will totally blow your fingers off. They so will
2: super blow your fingers off, y'all.
0: Don't play with them no you know and and i know there are a lot of people who do like their little backyard fireworks display for Mm -hmm. for fourth of of july here in the u.s or or the new year's eve or whatever
2: just just you know stay sober folks uh have a spotter
0: yeah have have you know your your fire handling stuff like a fire extinguisher is always a good idea Mm -hmm. just practice safety and be uh be alert you know enjoy yourself yeah but Keep and, also, in mind, and
2: don't make them at home, please. Yeah, don't make them right. at
0: home. These are these are explosives, and explosives are inherently dangerous. So just be careful. Uh, even sparklers are using black powder, right? That's yeah. that's one of the mixers, and they have like the the little metal flakes, like aluminum or whatever, in them, mm-hmm. so that they create those bright silver, silver sparks. sparks. So these are things that will burn. They'll burn hot. They will burn you if you're not careful. So just. Show caution. Enjoy yourselves, though, because these displays can be really, really impressive. Um, I like to let other people handle it for me because knowing how accident prone I am, I realize that uh, it would be a terrible idea to put me in charge of any kind of fireworks display.
2: Oh, yeah. No, given the opportunity, I will burn myself every time. Yeah. I have to remind myself approximately daily that hot things are hot. Right. Exactly.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. That thing that glowing red. Now I remember why it's glowing red. (laughs) It's because of that. Those excited electrons, the photons. Yeah, Yeah. Right. That was the conclusion of the two-part series about fireworks. Fireworks Part 2, in this case. Uh, Lauren and I had a lot of fun talking about that and researching fireworks. Uh, I used to really hate fireworks as a kid. I think it was a sensory thing. And that uh, it was just the very loud bangs coupled with the very bright lights were upsetting to me. To the point where I would say that the lights looked loud. It was a weird thing. And you know, I don't think I had synesthesia or anything like that. I think it was just me trying to communicate that I did not find them a pleasant experience. I like them now, but yeah, as a kid it was a bit much. Uh, I also thought balloons were just a loud noise waiting to happen. So, you know, probably some probably some some conclusions we can draw from that, but <laughs> it was I was like know, 45 years ago. So I'm going to just set that aside. Uh, But yeah, I I am a big fan of fireworks these days. And uh, in fact, I, I really would love to sit down and talk with someone who has worked on a coordinator level on like big, big fireworks displays, something like a Disney World display or a big Fourth of July celebration or a New Year's Eve celebration, that sort of thing, just to talk about the kind of planning that goes into it and how much of it is uh, plotted down and how much of it is left to, you know, some element of chance because you don't have control over all the the factors you can't control, for example, the wind, that kind of thing. I would love to have a conversation with someone, so I'm going to be on the lookout to kind of talk about that because I think, you know, there there's the other fascinating aspect of fireworks technology, which comes down to crafting a show through explosives. It's just something, there's something interesting about the elegance of crafting a show mixed with the, you know, for lack of a better word, the violence of explosions. And uh, I really would love to to learn more about it. Anyway, I hope that you are all having a safe 4th of July in the United States or otherwise, Uh, whether you are celebrating or you are, you know, just going through a regular July day. Uh, For those of you who are celebrating, please, 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 please be careful. Every year we see news items about people who have become injured through, you know, working with fireworks. So you want to be very careful. Don't (laughs) don't take that lightly. It's important to have fun, but more important, I think, to stay safe and healthy. And with that, I'll talk to you again really soon.